and welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today. Amen. Um, all the stuff that went on this morning, it pretty much there's little pieces of it going, well, that, I was going to mention that one. That was kind of cool. Okay, I was going to mention that one. So you pretty much... Somehow that conglomerate of all of those words kind of tied up the whole message. So with that, if you'll stand on the feet, we'll dismiss and we'll go ahead and move on for the day. Um, no, I just, I hope something this morning kind of uh, adds to, you know, some, sometimes we hear things 20 different times and my kids are really good. It's like, okay, we get it. I know, but I want you to hear it from this angle. Okay, yeah, we get it. Well, but, but then there's this angle we could look at it. We get it. So sometimes you get it, and sometimes you need the six angles to look at something in order to see it, so it, it kind of hits our heart, right? And then we could go home and say, you know what I learned today? And that's when your parents or your, your spouse or someone close to you goes, I've only been telling you that for the last 20 years. I know, but I finally learned it. So um, that's what's going to be today. So a little bit, for those who don't realize, Outbound Life is the name of our ministry. We're based in Thailand. Um, for most of you, that's common knowledge, but I would like to invite you to keep updated that if you go to outboundlife.org, and then at the bottom, there's a place that says, sign me up for the newsletter, and this is where we add your newsletter, we spam it, we send it off, we sell it, and this is how we raise money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that won't happen, and I promise it's not fundraiser newsletters. We want to bring something that we're learning that you could walk away with and do something with. So that was the mission of the newsletters, a little bit of what's going on to kind of connect you. But for the most part, we believe, and I strongly believe, in changing how missionaries present what they do. Because for years growing up, I would hear what these missionaries did on the field, and it was like the most horrific thing that they ever were involved in in order to kind of capture your heart to have sympathy for what they're doing. But I love where we live in Thailand. I love our home. We have a cool dog. And <laughs> I like dogs. They're pretty neat. And sometimes when, the, when you have to deal with people too long, the dog just makes sense, right? <laughs> And, and just when you're feeling rejected, you can actually leave your house, go down the street, come back, and the dog acts like you have been gone for years, and it is just so happy to see you. So anyway, there, there is a point to a dog, but for the sake of, of church this morning, don't, don't make it your life. So, um, but anyway, out by life, I believe... That, that the mission should be, we should be able to take something that you can gain from too. And so that's what our hope is. So I, I won't spend a lot of time on what we're doing, but just a couple of highlights. Um, over the last, let's see, we're on 9, 10, 10 years? 11 years. 11 years in, in Thailand, but us living there eight years. Um, it's just been amazing watching our staff who have been with us the whole time. And they have just taken off and grown. So I'm going to tell you, like, we have gotten into, one of our, one of our staff now is running uh, a ministry in his home village where he has the churches, the school, the city chief, everything. We do an event for him. He coordinates it, runs our Mission 300 program, works with the pastors. They do, and he has just taken this thing on and grown, and I really want to talk about how great I've done at planning this whole thing, but it wasn't. We brought him in, and the whole mission was we want you to catch a heart for what we're doing and let you go and do what's in your heart to do and it has been amazing. So that's exploded. Then we have Yoon who's been with us now for two years, uh, does a lot of video, photography, very detailed and he's taken off in his, in his uh, hometown in one of the uh, little suburbs of Chiang Mai and got all the kids together to teach in English, running our program for younger kids and he just got invited through his dad 
to bring our Mission 300 program up to their village in Shan State, Myanmar, which for those of you who don't know, if you think of the Golden Triangle and the opium trade, that is Shan State. They're the ones who ran the whole entire operation. So that's where that will be going over the next year. Um, Oot, our other staff member, has taken our community outreach to just a whole different level. Just close your ears, Steve. So we run a football outreach. <laughs> it's not club, though. It's not club. And it's in the evenings on Sunday, and it's not on Wednesday, okay? So it, it is a qualified, Jesus gave the endorsement, this is all right to do, <laughs> program. And, right? Because he consulted with Steve first to make sure, okay, well, no, we're good. Uh, we're approved. So I had to be cautious of all this. I was like, man, I kind of, I have a dog, and I like football, and... <laughs> I love you too, Jesus, but these are kind of neat things. So we have that, and it has just exploded. So through them, I, again, no credit, they have taken something, and I just want to remove what the event is. They found a way, how can we take what we're learning and put it into practice? How can we take what we're practice and bring it to grow? And then how can we take that to grow to reach a city? And then how through that city can people come in? You have to understand there's not a lot of different activities in Thailand that people enjoy doing. But the one is, is football. Like, the, that's soccer for you guys. The thing you actually use your foot for. It actually has the name that corresponds with the activity that you're doing. So football. <laughs> and it is exploded. So we've, we've created the largest amateur football league in northern Thailand that we have. Some of the professional teams are now asking to use our stats that we do for all of these youth leagues so they can start scouting and doing different things. Now, what that has to do with Jesus, that in and of itself doesn't, but here's what it does have to do. They all know it's Mission 300 sponsored, and they all know what we're doing, and that has brought in a police department puts a team in, the immigration puts a team in, the probation department puts a team in, and they're interacting with what we're doing, and the favor that that's produced in the other areas has been outstanding. And that's what God was doing. And you know, I could care less whether it's ping pong, basket weaving, you know, we could do knitting, we could do, I, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I may not want to do it, but I'll cheer you on. Um, but it doesn't matter. It was just something that connected to them that they enjoyed doing, right? And it's, it's better than drugs. What do you mean, right? It's that or, so, so anyway, that's been going, and Oud has taken that on and just, just exploded it. And it's just been great to see. It's, it's the people in our program. It's like you sit back, and I was telling Valerie, it's like, I, I'm, I'm the hood. I'm really a hood ornament. It's like they need me. Hey, can you come and just demonstrate? Can you give out this thing? Can you just go do this thing? And then can you go? And you just kind of sit on the bleachers, and you're apart, and you're, you're watching, but you're not the guy. You know, you kind of lose the guy thing. You're just kind of the thing that's kind of a necessary entity. But I love it. Like the, these, it's been awesome seeing them go. So we are just so grateful that the thing is mobilized that it's now organic. And that's what I'm trying to get at is God does something amazing that when you truly reach other people in the manner and bring dignity to their life, that you lift them up into the position that God created them to be, it is amazing that they will actually go further than what you would do. And this is why Jesus says, greater things would you go do because I'm going to go to the Father. I'll give you my spirit, but there is something further than what you go that you're going to go and do. And this is what made Jesus proud because that's what a father wants. The father doesn't want you under him. He wants you to take what he is and go further than where you're at. Amen? And that's where we come with identity. And the, this morning, how, how late do we go till, Steve? <laughs> Listen, you can only take in what your seat can endure. So we got we to come to this point of a, a happy back end during this process. If we will take a look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, 39 through chapter 12, verse 3. I, wa I want to create this idea of, um, not create this idea, but lay out this idea that has kind of come up through uh, some of the guys in our program. It's come up through conversations that we've had with people here. Um, 
uh, in Minnesota as I'm kind of talking through, what's needed? What are you looking at? Where are you at with God? And, and some of the questions were, I know who I am, and I know God loves me, and I'm going on, and I know there's something for my future, but I can't see what that looks like, and it, I'm, it's not working. They're not disconnecting from God, but there's like this stuck point. I don't know how to go forward, and I don't know how to pick a choice, make a choice. I, I don't know how to make a plan, and... Um, I, don't, I, I know we're supposed to have a dream and set goals and there's a destination, there's a purpose God has created for us. H how do I get there? And I thought it was interesting. I really was processing through this and I came to a place that I realized we're trying to measure our destination based on the world says what our destination is. We have a, a Western living the dream, going after, and I'm all believe in going after your heart. But you have to go after it from your new heart that is so desiring of God that you only want to do what he wants you to do. Therefore, you can freely do whatever your heart's doing because it will be the thing that blesses the Father. Okay? So that's the context. But we have this like, you could be anything you want to be. Just live free. Go do your heart. You, you could do this. You could accomplish this. Whatever you feel like, go after it. Right? That's kind of the American thought process. But it's wrong. You can't be whatever you want to be. That's a lie, number one. You can't work hard enough to be what you want to be. Now, you can compromise yourself to get to a place that people approve of you in a certain aspect that's similar to what you were wanting to be. But it will cost you everything to get to that place. So what are you saying? I can't achieve? I can't? No. We just talked about prosperity today. We just talked about fulfillment today. But I'm hoping between today and tonight, I can lay out a picture of what Scripture says this is, that it is the most fulfilling journey you could ever be on. But the expectations at first and at times will be like, how can this be God? But at the end, it changes something. See, if your life doesn't have a change or isn't part of something bigger that's changing other things, it's just you pursuing something for yourself. And most of the time, it's this question. You know, if I can just get to this point, then I can. If I just had this, then I could. If I, boy, I'm going to work hard now because then I can finally relax. Do you realize that you're trying to save your own life? rather than dying because Paul doesn't come to the end conclusion of that. Yet he was totally fulfilled. So we're going to take a look at this. So the title today is Living the Dream, Finding Fulfillment in Our Current World. Because everyone knows all the paths are laid out in our current world just to go out and succeed. Right? The law's in place, order's in place, the principles are in place. Everything is not wacky, right? Right? So you can just go do and the process is laid out. Well, as we know, that's not true. And I'm going to promise you this. God's going to do a lot of things, but it ain't going to be what it was. It will never be what it was. But it doesn't change what you are. Because if God calls you to something, it doesn't matter what the world does. There, there does come a point, there has to be an eternal mindset in our living, even though we have responsibility as Americans, we have a responsibility of the nation you were born into, we have responsibilities, but it doesn't, it's not what you are. Because you're of the kingdom of God. And we are ambassadors here, we are citizens of heaven operating here, but this is what you are. This is our occupation. This is where we're occupying. So let's, let's read Hebrews 11. And verse 39 through, and we're going to go through chapter 12, verse 3. And all these things, or excuse me, and all these, having obtained a good testimony, through faith did not receive the promises, 
These are referring to all of the heroes of faith that went before. Those that went and accomplished all these feats or ever had to hide and all this stuff happened to them, but they overcame. This is the summary of all of these people. Whether it was Jephthah, whether it was David, whether it was Gideon, whether it was Samson, Moses, Joseph, Esther, you just name the list. All those people had obtained a good testimony. Through faith, but did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us. Now I want you to get this. When I'm reading about how Joseph handled the prison thing, when I'm reading about how David handled his kingdom, losing his kingdom, getting his kingdom, being hunted, just he didn't ask to be king, and here he is, the mess of life. And then you hear of Gideon, you hear of all these stories, you hear what Moses had to go through, and all of this, and they did it without the thing that we actually have. We have the better thing because we have Jesus and his bloodshed. We have the forgiveness of sins. We're not offering sacrifices. We're not trying to atone. Our, our conscience, we have a new heart. They're trying to deal with this yearly conscience and wrestle through that, and there's a visitation of the Holy Spirit. We have God living on the inside of us in a heart that's prepared to handle him. That's amazing. We have something far greater, yet I look back and go, God, we don't even do the things that they're doing. Then it goes on in verse 41. Oh, excuse me, in verse 40. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. I want you to catch this. Your lineage of Christian faith that goes back through all these characters did something and laid a pathwork for you to walk in, but they're not finished because they just saw a shadow of something to come. You're the completion. So when we walk in that thing that Jesus did, it completes all the things that they did. That's amazing. So now we can take a look back at what they did as a shadow, right? We don't have to mimic, because the, they're, they're different. It's a different era. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't have a grace. They had to look towards the cross. We have the cross. There's things that are they're types and shadows, but it was powerful what they had, and we are the completion of their labor. Pretty amazing. Next verse. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so this is your witnesses. These are the ones in the cloud, in the stands, Theoretically, I don't know what this actually looks like in heaven, so just go with me just for a moment. But there's these stands, and you're in the arena, and they are cheering you on. They are cheering you on. Your royalty, your, your, your heritage of family, spiritually, is standing there cheering you on with this cloud of witnesses for everything that you have. So let us lay aside... Now, I, I want you to catch this verse. It's very important. It's not a trick word in, in, in Greek. It's let us lay aside every weight. And I love the song and the word this morning because there is this song, God, I have this weight. Will you take it from me? But there's this partnership. Yes, but you have to take it off. No, but you have to take it off. No, you take it off and I'll show you how to walk without it. But God, you take it. So let us lay aside, we'll get more into that this evening. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Why, why can we do that? Because of Jesus. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. See, everyone in their life, in your position, right where you're at, has been given a race. But it's not a race of obligation. It's not a race of torment. It's a race of something of it you're entrusted with because he believes you can win it. He believes you can win that race or he wouldn't have given it to you. See, that would be unjust. That would be unloving, actually, to give someone a responsibility expecting them to fail, right? That's how we looked at God before, but that's not how, who God is. So the moment he gives you a race or he gives you something, it's because he knows you can deal with it. So if you're facing a problem, 
you're facing a mountain, and you overcome, right? Many people do. Then they look back and go, man, I am so thankful for that mountain. Because had I not had that mountain, I wouldn't have overcome. And so we start glorifying the, the mountain, right? But it's not the mountain that made you that. Because so many people are killed by the mountain. The mountain can't do nothing for you. It's the fact you discovered something in Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit that caused you to rise up because it was the first time you chose, because you had to, deal with the mountain, and God rose up bigger than the mountain in you, and you overcame the mountain. So yes, thank you, Jesus, for rising up in that place of the mountain, and you can have a memorial to it, but it's not the mountain that did anything. Because you just get a new mountain. And the mountain's not our God. Amen? So the next verse. Looking, so, so here's the key thing. So we always talk about, uh, Steve laid it out really great. You, you can't know where you're going until you know who you are. That's point number one. Your identity is first. Throughout scripture, identity is first. Action is second. Identity is first. Action is second. The problem with the American way of thinking is your identity is found in your destination. That's why it's empty, because it's not there. I'm not a real big fan of the title, Pursuit of Purpose, because it makes that the pursuit. The destination is the pursuit. It's not the pursuit, because the verse just makes it clear. We're in a race, and we're running to win, correct? But what's our pursuit in verse 2? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look to him. So our pursuit is we do have a destination, but our purpose is found in our identity because that's the fruit that grows within your identity, which is producing something, which is going towards our destination. But what's our focus? It's on Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you something of why that matters. Because part of the reason we get discouraged and we get frustrated, and even Hebrews says, be careful lest a root of bitterness comes up in you and defile you, is because we have this expectancy of that race to do something for us. And then if it doesn't come through in the way we're expecting it to happen, we're frustrated or how that person treated us because we have this innate victim thinking that believe I deserve to win this. So when we don't get what we deserve, we're mad. When you don't deserve it and it's grace and he's given it to you, you don't think that way. I've coached many kids, those that just are happy to be on the team and give it their all, even if they don't always get to play the position they want. They're just happy to be there and they still give it their all. They're not bitter, they're not mad. Those that have played club <laughs> for three years and come on the team and think there's something, they're the ones who get mad when you don't play them the way you want, they want to because they're, they deserve it. They've earned that position. And I just find it very interesting is that is the fallen man's victim state of being. This is one of the most dangerous places for Christians to fall in. And it's why it's hard for people to get saved, especially in our current world. They are praying for God to save them from the problems on the outside and they don't recognize it's the evil of their own heart that they need saving from. Until that becomes the reality that even as good as you are, without Jesus, you get the same bonus as Hitler does. I, I, I'm not, oh, you guys aren't catching it. Your heart without Jesus is evil. It tries to do good. But it knows what it is. In Jesus, it's good, and then we have these old memories 
that we're trying to let go of, very different. You're not two beings when you're born again. You're not a, a yin and a yang inside anymore. It's all good with your memory of everything that's bad. That's why you can die to it. You can't die to yourself if you're both. This is very important. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't good people and it's wrong. All, there's natural things we deal with, right? Throughout Scripture, even Jesus had to deal with natural things, how people behaved. I'm just trying to get to the point in the depth of our understanding, how you let God truly take you to a place of absolute fulfillment is coming to the place that I absolutely need him. Then he brings you up. All right? Because I, I think as Christians, we're probably, we really do have it down of raising the dead. We're, we're actually really good at it. Because we're constantly, as we learned this morning, resurrecting our dead man and then consoling with him about our future life. All right, so let's look at Paul. Let's look at someone who actually took the dream, a vision of life, and acted on it. And it's going to be in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start with verse 6. And I just want you to catch something. I'm not going to go through the whole story. I'm just going to kind of touch some points. But how many would just love it if God would just show up and tell you what I need to do next. Any hands? Any takers? Man, that's amazing. You wish you would have kept your hand down by the time I get done. But I, I'm in there. I, I, I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Hey, honest, man, honesty works. This, this is great. We all like, God, just show me what the next step is so I could do it. If God showed you what your next step is that would be the most fulfilling in your life, you'd run so far from it, you wouldn't even look at it. Because you can't do it. And it will scare the bejeebies out of you. Ask Steve what bejeebies are. They, I don't know, even know what they are. They're something. It'll scare you because you can't do it. You can't manage it. You can't control it. You can't put it in a box. And so that's why God directs you but the more you're willing to die to what you are to gain what he is, the easier it becomes to make that journey. See, then his, well, let me just, I'm jumping ahead. So in Acts 16, 6, it says, um, this is, this is uh, Paul and Silas, and they're getting ready to go into Asia, and it says the Holy Spirit came and forbid them from going. All right? So in verse 7, when they went to another place in Mesia, they tried to go in there and the Spirit said no. So they had a vision. A vision came. Now, first of all, I want you to catch something very significant about a vision for your life. You see, in Jesus is all the fulfillment, all the promises. Our faith is, just is responding positively to what God's already done. Everything is secure, just like Steve, Pastor Steve said, when you're in a, you could be in a hurricane, but to be in him, in his will, in what he says about you, in his approval, in his glory, it doesn't matter. You're totally fulfilled and content, all right? Paul is catching a vision, so it wasn't like, I need you to go build this thing. I need you. You know what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to create this business that you've been asking for. You know what I'm going to Whatever that thing is that you're looking for. It won't be a thing. It won't be something where it's finally a place of your rest, of your glory, of your victory. It'll be something that connects, that changes another human being. Why? Because if you're fulfilled, what you do with God is so important because it starts affecting and catalyst to everyone else that's around you. So if you don't do your dream, yes, God will find someone else to do it, but it won't have the same DNA. It won't have the same effect. God will always find a way to get something done, but it's just so much better if it's you, because that's what he's prepared for you. So he has this vision, it says uh, in verse uh, 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come to Macedonia to help us. So they just took that God's talking to us. So we're on our way to Macedonia. So they go and they get on a ship and they travel to Macedonia and they end up in Philippi. 
and they're ministering in Philippi. Isn't that awesome? I mean, just wouldn't you love that? It's like, man, I know what to do. God already had a vision. It was witness. We're supposed to go to Philippi, and this is what's going to happen. Man, God's going to bless us. It's going to be great. You put it in your newsletter. All this stuff great is happening to you. Wow, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, that wasn't what Paul was doing. Gets there, and he's ministering, and for three days, this woman, oh, come and hear the speaker. He's talking about the sons of God, just praising Paul, praising Paul. Oh, Paul, you're so great. He's a messenger from God. He's talking about the son. Oh, he's so great. See, the first thing that begins happening when we have a vision or a direction from God and it starts working is the praise of man starts coming. <sighs> you're so you're right in the will of God. And it says after three days he was annoyed. I like that. He was annoyed at this woman. So he turns and casts the demon out of her. Now wait a second, she's just praising. Don't we want the praise? See, Paul could distinguish where God was directing and where man wants to sidestep it. And he knew if I could just get him to, wow, wow, I am doing good. Man, we had that vision, remember? And here we are, we got on the boat and we made it here. And God's doing these, getting ready to do some amazing things. And man, even the people recognize how great I am being here. No, he kept staying to what the vision was because the vision wasn't his, his identity. He already had his identity. This was the outflow of his identity to go where God was because where was his focus? Who Jesus was. His praise came from him. Man had no bearing on it. Now I want you to just ponder. If man did not have to approve of the destination you feel in your heart you need to go down with God. You know, people say, if, I just, if you had enough money, what would you do with your life? I don't think it's a good question. I just think if man didn't have an opinion about what you're to do with your life, what would you do? That would have a whole different bearing because our measurements are based in this natural system of how to do something. So he casts this demon out, and she's free. Like, she's totally set free. And you're thinking, man, we discern from God. See, this is this stages of, man, if I just knew where God sent him. No, if you don't know Jesus, each one of these things are sidetracks and derailments that are constantly coming at you. Because if, if, if Satan can keep you from getting on the horse to move forward, he for sure will put, try to push you off the saddle. He is not going to let you sit at rest on that saddle going down his journey. But I just like what we caught something this morning on the radio, something that Pastor Steve was listening to. The tribulations aren't coming after you. It's coming after the word that's on the inside of you. That's what it's afraid of. So, man, he completely delivers this woman. So the, now the whole town is just so happy with Paul. No, the, the guy who owns this girl who was making money off her doing sorceries and divination and the, all the things, whatever she was doing, now wouldn't do it anymore because she was free. So now he's put into prison because he's disrupted the whole entire community. Now, I just want you, th this isn't the goal-setting plan that we're supposed to talk about. Let's see. I follow your plan. I have to ignore the praise of people. And now I'm in prison. Not just in prison. It says the jailer put us in the darkest part of the prison the most secure part of the prison. Now, I'm not sure it's like the county jail here. I have a feeling it had a whole different feel to it. So I want you to imagine whatever that feel is, that's what it is. And that's where Paul is, him and, him and Silas. So now, our normal Christian minds would be, let's have a prayer meeting, praise God so the chains come off and the doors open so we can leave. So we have a praise thing. It's like, God, tear these chains down. He's breaking these chains off as the doors are open. We're set free. Hallelujah. Paul's already free, guys. He's already free. He's on a mission to find that face of the guy that's in the dream. He's not going to stop till he... See, 
there's something that goes deeper with God. There's an adventure. It's like, I can't quit till I get there. That's the God visions. So now he's in prison. Him and Silas are praising God. And I'm just going to tell you, naturally, he's probably quite uncomfortable. But inside, I'm fulfilled. I'm content. There's nothing more Jesus can do for me in this moment to make me more fulfilled in this natural earth. Because he already knew the natural earth was a sewer till he gets to heaven anyway. We make the best of what it is, right? But this isn't our ending home. Well, it's... That's a, technically, there's a remodeling and shifting. I'm just saying till his return, this is what it is. And we make the best of it, right? We bring our life to everything that we do. You bring your, if you're put somewhere, bring life to it. If you're put someplace you don't even like, bring life to it. Like, Satan can't fully stop life from happening. Amen, we tried cutting down a tree to get rid of it, and it was only like four months later, This huge stump of a tree is growing and it's up half the wall with these 19 new branches coming off something we thought we killed. See, you can't kill life when life is still in it. It's going to grow. And it's going to be bigger and it's going to be stronger and it's going to be better. So here's Paul. He's in prison. So they pray. And all of a sudden, an earthquake happens. Shaking happens. Chains fall off all the prisoners. I really want you to catch this. When you walk in the fulfillment and the power of God, it starts going to everybody. All the chains of the prisoners in that prison came off and their doors were open. The jailer saw it. Now, he hadn't seen Paul because it says he was in the depth and it was dark because the jailer eventually had to go get a light to see if Paul was actually still there. But the moment the doors open says the jailer grabbed a sword to kill himself because you don't understand that would be the next thing that the Romans would do to him because he was given an assignment to watch the prisons and if the prisoners, they escape, they're going to kill him. That's just what happened. So the jailer pulled a sword to kill himself since everybody was gone and it says, from the depth, a voice comes. No, we're still all here. We're all here. How did Paul even know that the jailer was going to go through that whole action? The Holy Spirit. And why was he sensitive to it? Because he cared about the jailer. He cared about the man that was probably responsible for all of his beatings under order. He cared about the people that he was around because he was here on a mission. He never became a victim of those things. But he had a right to be. I want you to catch something. So I'll, I'll let Steve clean this up. I have no rights in the country that I live in. I have favor. And I'm kind of coming to find out that favor is a whole lot better than your rights. Because the rights demand something. And I'm not saying don't demand your rights. There is a pushback because you doing that is affecting other people that can't do that. So, So don't get weird the other direction. I'm just saying from an internal side with Jesus, his favor is way better than your rights because rights means it's owed to you. Favor means it was bestowed on you. And when you have something bestowed on you, you have forces much bigger than yourself involved in it. Paul walked in his favor, dealt with the guard. He said, no, we're all here. The guard comes down. Boy, if I could catch you what God wants to bring you to. He's trying to get you to come to his table just for a moment. And Paul is at that table at this place. And the guard comes in and sees him all sitting there and all the prisoners still in there. And immediately is like, what must I do to be saved? What do I got to do? Something powerful. Think about this just for a moment. How much went in to find the man of Macedonia's face to come and help us. Who do you think that man actually was? The jailer. Steve gave me the theological look just right there for a moment, but just bear with me just for a second. It is the people of Macedonia. It is the people of Philippi. 
Whatever this jailer was represented something to him in that vision. So whether it was technically his face, I don't know. But it represented something to him, and his whole family got saved. And scholarly is, the scholarly thought process, it is from this man that the Philippi church was established. And it's from the Philippi church, the church of Philippians, is the only church that always remembered Paul and supported him without him having to go educate them on how to support him. You see, in the middle of all of Paul's dreams, an event took place that he lived in a selfless place, in a place of fulfillment, in a place of God vision, in a place of pursuing his destiny by looking to who Jesus is, that all the dynamics of those things that normally we would have... By the way, if you're in one of those things, we'll pray with you. And there is times that Paul was rescued out of prison. I'm saying the standard is, I need comfort. God, take me to comfort. God, take me to comfort. God, take me to comfort. It's the worst thing for us. My friend was just sharing, me, sharing with me that, I, I know every time you learn something new, there's another YouTube video that discredits it, but just, it's kind of neat. You know how we have to have the special soles for our shoes, and you know this type of shoe does this, and this type of shoe does this, but then you can go see an Ethiopian runner that runs 400 miles every Thursday, um, and he's barefoot. Like, how's that working? And they're old, and they're still running it, right? Well, find out the more you do support for your shoes, the more your muscles actually break down in your feet. Therefore, you need more support in the future to manage your feet because your muscles have broken down by continuing to add more comfort and support to your feet. Comfort didn't make your foot better. It actually made your foot more dependent on more comfort. True? But if you just do it the hard way the first time and just break through, I'm not, you know, you guys, yeah, but some people really have feet problems. That, I know, I know. I'm just talking general stuff because all of us buy into it, right? We have Roe v. Wade because of this little thing that we try to sell an idea on, and then we have this whole world that's created on that, right? We always are trying to sell this extreme situation of why that can't be true so the masses can just go and live in it. Man, just take the hard way. So this vision, so this is all taking place, and I really want you to see something with what God is calling you to. And I really believe, I was backstage praying, it's like, he's calling you guys to a table. He's calling you to the most divine place for you to sit in, there's a difference between being at complete rest and being in comfort. Being at complete rest, you're whole. You're settled. You're ready for the next thing. You're in enjoyment. You're not in like, oh, finally. You're free. And I, I love Psalm 23. And Psalm 23, you know, because we use this so much that like even when we, it's been used so much for like funerals of, you know, he leads us beside the still water. He restores our soul. Can you put Psalm 23 up here? And this is really important because we can, we can understand the plans and purposes of God for our life if we can understand how does the vision and walk actually look like. Now to some of you, I, things I'd be saying like, well, I don't really want to do the Paul thing and I don't want to do the prison thing and I don't want to do any of those things, so I'm going to find the different message. No, as you get to know God, he develops you into a place and grows you into the place that you will want to go do those things. Right? We don't have to... The message even on giving, there is no manipulation to give. There's actually an invitation, and as your heart grows in the word of what it means to be that, it's, it's an outflow. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, let me just stop. He restores my soul. You understand this is the beginning place. We've made this the destination place. That's why it's verse 1. 
It's not the destination. It's the beginning. See, he knows what you need to shape you to get to the next place, but this is the beginning place. Paul had been shaped in his conversion of discovering the mercy of God to such a degree, he was just thankful for mercy. To go to the place where he is, where he's in prison, is like, I'm fulfilled. In fact, I'm going on an adventure because I'm not going to get done until I find that face and that group and where I'm supposed to go until I'm get. I'm not dying until I get there. I don't care if it's three ships that have to go shipwrecked, a snake bite, beatings, whatever. It's still going to fund the journey. P.S. Uh, Rome paid for his travels. He didn't really have to do the fundraising for the airplane tickets. All expenses paid. He didn't even have to buy the food on the ship. I'm not sure how good it was but it can't be any worse than the airline food. <laughs> he restores my soul, right? This is the beginning. This is, I met Jesus. He, he takes you into this place. He gives you a new heart. He establishes all this. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, again, the first two things, he leads me to restoration. He leads me in righteousness. Whose righteousness? Mine? His. See, he walks out what a righteousness looks like. He walks in what righteousness impacts. He walks in how righteousness affects the world around us. He walks in of how great he is in his righteousness, not in an arrogance, but how powerful it is. And he's showing us how to walk in that. He's not putting the burden on you to be righteous. He's putting the burden on him to be righteous and give you the righteousness to do. Right? That's what Jesus did. It's his righteousness that we're walking in. He's leading us in that. Man, isn't it great when God leads? because we're not responsible. Right? But then there comes a point. If you've gone to school for something or you developed a skill and no one ever lets you be responsible to try, if something gets stripped out of you. I mean, just think about that. You've worked a certain job for so long and you've put the time in and you didn't just put the time in, but you labored in it and you, you gave yourself to it and you, you owned it, but they don't trust you enough to do anything more than what you're doing. There's something that's like, well, what's the point? But then, like a player or a coach, they've worked at it and the coach says, Johnny, you're going in this game. Coach, you, you, I haven't played. No, no you, you, I've watched you. I go, you can do this. Now all of a sudden there's a humility but an eagerness like, I go, it's going to be hard and you're going to have a lot of pressure out there. I can, I can do it, coach. Like there's this eagerness, put me in, put me in, put me in because that's what we are. When we're restored and we're freed from the slavery of death and victimization and all those things that have happened to us and we're able to step in to his mercy and his grace and what he's given to us and birthed in us, all of a sudden it's now, I'm ready to go. Put me in, coach. This is Paul. I, I see this with Jesus. Okay, what can I go do now? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. For whose sake? His namesake. Because he gives you his name. So he's giving you his credit card to go take care of things. Yay. Now the, now, the, now the psalm switches. David's talking. Yea, though, I walk. So who's walking and leading in the valley of the shadow of death? David is. Why is he doing that? Because God trusts him. David, I've given you everything you need. Trust me. I'm, I'm right there with you. I haven't left you. I'm just not going to lead this one. I'm right here, though. Remember all the words I gave you? Remember the, what I gave you, the promises of Jesus? Remember, remember I told you how, how to live full, that your, your spirit doesn't have to change, your soul doesn't have to change because of the things going on around you. You're still larger than the problem that you're about ready to face. Remember those things that I talked to you. And he walks in, and he goes through the valley of the shadow of death. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why? Because he's remembering the rod, the measurement. Okay, this is the measurement. It's not man's measurement. It's not my measurement. It's not what the, the enemy's measurement is. It's your measurement. And I'm approved. Okay, your staff. Oh, I remember that. It's like even if I trip up or I fall, that staff was there to kind of to get me going. So I'm going down the right path. And even in this, I can feel that presence. But, but I, I can do it. I'm trusted. 
He's in me now. I, I can do this thing. So through the valley of the shadow of death, right? We don't, we don't pray for the valley of shadow to go to death. But, but think about it. Just in little innocent things, we keep praying to go back to Psalm 1. But we're not praying, God, make me bigger than Psalm 4. Enlarge me in Psalm 4. For you are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, that's the goal of Psalm 23. Can you imagine you're sitting at the table without any bitterness, without any hostility, and all your enemies are looking at you going, how did you get there? Can you imagine Satan and all his cohorts going, we threw everything at him we could. How is he sitting there? It's not fair. It's not fair. We did everything we could. But see, you're not being tripped up because it's not about you anymore because in the valley of shadow of death, see, we talked about it at the men's thing, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You cannot... Until you lose your life, you can't find it. Until you die to this life in the world, you can't have his everlasting life. That's what Jesus says. There's five different mess times it's mentioned about you have to die to find your life. You have to die to find your life. Well, he's not talking about suicide because that's the easy way out. It's talking about you giving up those things you put value and your life into and they get pushed aside so you could have his life, but it's better. But it's death in the pushing aside of those things that once we identified to. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's how he did this, because none of those things were measurements of value to him. His measurement was, oh, you're against me. That means God's doing something. And, by the way, say, we're going to win. Just watch. We're going to get there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. I want you just to picture that moment that you come to the table and he takes a special time to say, this is my beloved son. This is the one that I approve. This is my beloved daughter. I want everyone to see who I thought was valuable. Well, we're all valuable, but some just choose never to come to the table. So we're those that are at the table, right? God loves everyone. Just that not everyone loves him. Right? He doesn't make people love you. That would be slavery. But it's open to everybody. So those that come to the table, and he's doing this, and he's showing his glory and his approval of you. That's why it says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. But it's not referring to, we just, it's not this old theology of just, we're just going to go through problems. We're just going to have problems, and the problem, my, my tree fell down, and my car broke, and I can't pay this bill, I can't pay that bill. Those are things we need each other, because that's why he's talking about this wealth that we already have. Those are dealt with in Christ. There's answers to all that. Plus, we have a body to work with. That's not what suffering is. Suffering is the moment, for any of you that has never done fitness and have tried to do fitness, it's the moment you say, I'm going to go do something, and you start. That's suffering. It's a, no, I'm serious. it's a deliberate act from where you are in your current situation that you have been able to manage, and you choose to step into a place that is different, a little more foreign, and is going to challenge what you are, that's suffering. Suffering is a deliberate act that you do. And those sufferings have a glory in it. And that's what Paul had learned. So you prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemy, you anoint my heads with oil, my cup runs over. Next verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the pursuit. But if you look at David who wrote this, how many lives were affected by David following this? Countless. In fact, the seed of Jesus is called the son of David. The things that he did to walk through, 
didn't just affect his life. It affected generation after generation after generation. And now we have something better that we can walk into. And I think we have to take a little shift from what's going on in our world and the problems that we're facing. And rather than looking at this problem and becoming overwhelmed with it, and I know in here, you guys hear this all the time. You guys need to make God bigger than your problem. But more importantly, you have to let God approval of you and what you are in him to the problem become bigger. We kind of all know God's bigger. But we don't know. I, I know, but God, if I step in and do it, are you really going to be with me on this one? I mean, I'm not trying to challenge you because you're God. But, but this one's hard. And I don't think anybody's really faced this before. Well, first of all, that's not true. But someone had to be the first blind man. Someone had to be the first to experience something. But it's only going to come if you let God speak to what you are in your identity to let you outgrow the problem that you're facing. And then you will have similar problems, but that won't be a problem for you anymore because you know how to deal with it. So if there's something reoccurring, and we're going to talk more about this tonight of getting into a little more practical, but I just kind of want to lay out this picture. There is a vision and a purpose, but God it doesn't grow you horizontal. Is this horizontal? He doesn't grow you horizontally into the, to your destination. He grows you straight up as the, the timeline shifts and you become higher and higher and higher and higher into the timeline until you're bigger than each phase of the thing that you need to go through. Every tool that you need, so you don't need a new tool for the next phase. Every tool that you have is enough and in the next phase you get a new tool. And something more. So you, there's nothing more that you need right now to go to the next place that's in your heart to go to. It's already right there. That should be freeing. And so I'm hoping by tonight, at least we give enough scenarios through nine different directions that somehow, man, there's more I could be doing. And it's not just so you're fulfilled. It's we can't do it without you. And the person behind you can't do it without you. And this group can't do it without you. And this over here can't do it without you. If you don't do that, then they can't go forward. And it's such a much bigger piece. And you're all part of that. So tonight we're going to go into that. But let me just leave you with this. Final thought. I like Lord of the Rings. And then I'll give you a spiritual thought too. But this is the non-spiritual thought. Frodo, if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, I'm, ask someone else the context of the story. Frodo has the ring, right? He's on his journey to get rid of the ring. And only he can do the journey with the ring because he's the only one with the heart and the capacity to actually see it all the way through even though he physically isn't capable of actually doing it. Which is really brilliant of J.R. Tolkien to lay out this scriptural premise through this whole story because it's so the reality of things. And he's talking to Gandalf. And it's almost like speaking to the Holy Spirit, right? Because when you're in your quiet time, I can't, I can't do this. God, I just can't, I can't do it. It's too big. So he said, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf says to him, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what we do with the time that is given to us. See, the scenario you're in right now, as bad or whatever it may be, from that catalyst with the Holy Spirit, a change in that creates a trigger that goes further that only you can do. And it's critical for you to win. Where you're at is critical. Boy, that didn't sit well. Where you're at in life is critical. Because it's from that victory you will bring things to the world around you that we need. 
So if we can have a little different approach, God, I don't want to just win and I don't want to get out. I want to beat this thing in the way you designed me to beat this thing so I can move into the next phase. And it's in that that people around are changed. But not necessarily at first. They come around, though. But this is what's important. And I just see this with you. You guys have had the word. You've been fed. You guys know the truth. But if we can transition it from cliche to reality, like I could go do this now. God, I can know you more now. God, in the midst of this, this is my mountain. I need to know a fresh aspect of you. Show me a fresh aspect of you that I don't know before, that changes me, that brings me up so I know more of who I am because the more we know him, the more we know ourselves. I rise up, I deal with this problem, and all of a sudden I'm moving forward. And you know what your heart's going to do. I am so fulfilled. Where's the next mountain? Amen? All right. Well, I'm going to have you stand on your feet. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.